This is Blockbuster Film School. This is Blockbuster Film School. Welcome to Blockbuster Film School. It's happening. It's going down. You're here now. It's time. You've been waiting. You've been biding your time, tenting your fingers, getting ready because you want to hear about movies and nonsense and mayhem. And I'm Alex Bonner, joined as always by Nicholas Souter. I'm sorry, what? As well as Super Producer Brian Tapps. Oh, hello. All right, so... Um, I'm Gizmo. <laughs> Don't get him wet. Don't feed him after midnight. He will reproduce into goblins. That's how it works. Yep. That's part of our contractual agreement here at the Blockbuster Film School. We're going to go into it real quick because we got a lot to cover this evening. We have one of Hollywood's most underrated actors of all time, or maybe over... Not Definitely not overrated. Not overrated. Correct rated. He's either underrated... Or just rated, but either way, he is a Blockbuster Film School fucking favorite. Absolutely. He is absolutely just himself on the Blockbuster Film School wall. His name is Mr. Bill, Wild Bill Paxton. Actor, director. Yes. We'll get into that. We will start with our usual thing. Nicholas, what was the first time you ever saw Mr. Bill Paxton? Well, I believe it was Henry Ford said... (laughs) If you can't go with the truth, go with the legend. I don't know exactly what the first thing I saw him in was. Mm. But I remember the first time I remember feeling Bill Paxson. It was a sleepover. Oh, boy. We watched Aliens without me having seen Alien. We watched RoboCop 2 before I saw RoboCop. Now, I had no idea that Alien was going to be a straight horror film. Because we start. I started with Aliens. Yeah. But there's no fucking denying that no matter how old you are and you see Bill Paxson just go full, game over, man, game over. <laughs> that is with you until the day you die. Is this going to be a straight fight or another bug hunt? Yeah. I'm Hudson. He's Hicks. <laughs> I think we're simpatico on that. I remember one of the James Cameron things, and we'll talk about it a little bit because this is a little bit of a James Cameron episode because... Who that? He is a very famous film director. He directed Titanic. I've seen that. And Avatar, which is your favorite movie. I've not seen that. It's his favorite movie. And also Aliens. I've seen that. Yes. Pretty much, if there's a movie that says directed by James Cameron, you have like a 75% shot that Bill Paxton is in it, at least a little bit. And it's something we'll talk about too. Bill Paxton, he should have been in Terminator too, as uh, a different character. I agree. I agree. Ooh, they could have brought him back as the punk. You uh, know what? <laughs> they they could have brought him back as the guy who works the gates, <laughs> and then he shoots him in the legs. Like he'll live. That would be a great Bill Paxton role. Just That's a little true. cameo. He wasn't quite too famous then, but he was getting there. He was yeah. because Bill Paxton. We'll talk about it, but one of the absolute great character actors in the history of Hollywood. Had some leading roles. He did. Not a lot. Not a lot. But a couple of them were in big hits. And is an interesting conundrum in Hollywood actors because he was this amazing character actor who sometimes was the leading man, but you never really knew with Bill. Sometimes he'll be in a movie for one line. Yeah. 
even at the height of his Bill Paxton-ness. But sometimes he's the lead in Twister. I don't know. It's just how it goes. It's just how it goes. He's Bill Paxton. We will go into it. My first time was the exact same. James Cameron, as I was saying, likes to, one of his things that he likes to do beyond lights and frame, beyond moving the camera with action sequences. Beyond marrying the lead actor in the movie. Or being married to the producer or to... <laughs> he will literally marry any woman who's around. And who's will, more talented will, than him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you are around James Cameron and you'll put up with him and you're more talented than him, he will... Proposed to you within an hour. That's such an interesting idea that he's a director fucker. He is a, <laughs> he's not a star fucker. He just, yeah. he, like an octopus just eats directing talent from his mates. That's an interesting, hmm, hmm. Canadians. One of my favorite James Cameron things is he loves to have scenes where someone is talking to a group of people who then are talking back at that person. And my favorite one is when Apone and Ripley and the guy from Mad About You are talking to a group of space marines and they are just being assholes and the king asshole is Mr. You know, Hudson, a.k.a. Bill Paxton, who will be game over. Game over, man! Game over. Which also would be in the Alien 3 Super Nintendo game, when you lost and died, it just had Bill Paxton's voice came up and it was like, game over, man, game over. And that game sucked, but that was awesome. Yes. It was all- also, the guy's name from Mad About You is Richard Kind. Well, if Richard Kind played... How much better would that the be? The Burke. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. We're just, I, just, they just died. Is uh. Richard Kind ever really evil, though? Can you? No. You know? you know, he was George Clooney's best man. Yes, and I get that because Richard Kind is amazing yeah. and he's my best man at my wedding. Just so you guys know, I'm getting married. Congratulations. Thank you. Lahayam. Lahayam. I'm getting married to a car. And I honestly so thought I could- you are getting married to a VHS tape. <laughs> so that I can be one of those weird, creepy footnotes in the local newspaper. Okay, so we're going to go into it. Mr. William Wild Bill Paxton. He was a Texan. If you could believe it or not, he was born May 17th, 1955. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2017. We'll talk about that. Um, Breaks my goddamn heart. Dude, it's crass. Not to be super bummer up front, but died. For no reason. Yeah, died in a, granted a heart surgery, but a heart surgery that like 99% of people survive. But it happens, you know, it's a heart surgery. It's still not. Why couldn't it have been Vin Diesel or Tom Clancy? That's fair. There's also a possibility that we right now are in some sort of purgatory and people who are cool get released. There's also a possibility of that. I'm never getting out. <laughs> there is. <laughs> um, I've never seen Brian Tepp's sigh <laughs> so hard in my life. All right, but he was raised in Fort Worth, Texas. Woo! That's how you have to... What you have to do after. Yeah. I'm wearing a cowboy hat right now, as well as Spurs, and that's it. I'm completely new. It is Shania Twain swag, though. Yes, that is. Oh, of course. I was trying to think of a Shania Twain song. There's nothing. You don't bear me much. Okay. I don't impress me much. Mm-mm-mm. All right. So, a little bit interesting about both of his parents. His dad, John Paxton, was a businessman, a lumber wholesaler, museum executive, and later 
He was an actor. Yeah. Starring with his son in a few movies, as well as in Sam Raimi's Spider-Man films, in which they were like, you're a weird old version of Bill Paxton. Would you like to be crazy in our movies? You're a lot cheaper than Bill Paxton. (laughs) And also, his mom was Sarah Paxton, and she was at the John F. Kennedy assassination in Daily Plaza. So, as you said, pretty sure she did it, I think. Pretty sure she did it. Yeah. When it happened, she yelled out, remember the Alamo? And then set someone on fire. (laughs) And JFK, just before that, was, what are you talking about? (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. And then she shot him. That's how it worked. He graduated from Arlington Heights High School in Fort Worth. And then he studied at Richmond College in England. Ooh, a fancy lad. Yes, which is kind of interesting where he got a scholarship with his acting prowess. He really did not want to be in fucking Texas. (laughs) That's true. He never lived in Texas ever again. No. He could have gone anywhere for acting. He's like, oh, another continent? Howdy, (laughs) y'all. I don't know what goodbye is in Texas. I just know howdy. No, it's, it's like aloha. It's the same. Okay, cool. Yeah. But... It's interesting already, though, that he's a character who's from Texas and went to England to study acting. Already a little bit of... Yeah, it's a twist. He's a twist. He's a twist of a person and as an actor and as an artist. And then he moved to Los Angeles, and we talked about this a little bit, where like a lot of great sort of guys of that baby boomer generation who were not exactly your normal leading man, he started as a carpenter and in the props and art department. Yeah. Like... Han Solo before him. Um, People used to work their way up. Yeah. And then it changed when they got older and they was like, hi, I'm Devin Sawa. You won't remember me in 10 years. <laughs> or even creepier now, it's like, hi, I have a million Instagram followers. I we know. should put them in a movie. Like, it's, uh, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Have they done anything? I don't know. But no. Bella Thorne, you're a fucking disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> but he very quickly, working in art departments, And being a very skilled carpenter and a prop creator, a set designer himself, caught the eye of a Canadian man that we mentioned earlier, Mr. James Cameron. Yes. Became his friend. Very good. Yes. He's he's a kind of famous movie director, just slightly. He just only created the highest grossing movies of all time, with the exception of Avengers. But if you were to befriend someone in Hollywood, maybe a good idea would be to befriend the most successful movie director in the history of Hollywood. Yeah. Maybe just just an idea. Just a little advice here at the Blockbuster Film School. When you go to Hollywood, figure out who's going to be the most successful movie director of all time and then befriend them. Yeah. Because I befriended the best boy on Cabin Boy. And let me tell you, it is a one-sided friendship. <laughs> he, just, he just kept saying, I'm the best boy. I know. <laughs> There weren't any cords or anything. The best boy is an electrician. That's the only places in Hollywood where they yeah. call the electrician the best boy. Because I imagine that was like some Louis B. Mayer weird shit. He's like, you're the, you're the best boy now. No, it was literally, it was, um, they started asking for certain people and they weren't there on set. They're like, <laughs> all right, just give me your best boy. And oh, they would send him over. That's actually very interesting. It yeah. actually makes a lot more sense. And the title just stuck. Story. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, he did a lot of sort of B, I guess you would call them B-movies initially. But then he got himself into a B-movie, and he did some stuff in the 70s and 80s. 
But truly, it didn't take long. It only took him a few years. Uh, in 1984, he got a role in the Walter Hill Streets of Fire. Have you ever seen Streets of Fire, Nick? I have. What do you think of Streets of Fire? I like it more in principle. <laughs> That's a very good way of putting it. Yeah. I could never really make it all the way through. No, it took me like three weeks to finish the movie. Yes, I like... I, like, I love the poster art. And I like a lot of those actors. I like yeah. Diane Lane. I Willem like Defoe. Rick Moranis. Yeah. And it has a lot of cool sets. It just, I don't know. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Although it would inspire some video games, which is interesting, like Streets of Rage, a lot of Japanese people. It was a oh. huge hit in Japan. And then they made a lot of those like double dragon fighting games because they liked. I never knew that. Yeah. Streets of Fire was the inception to a lot of beat-em-up video games hmm. but not a big hit in america he also was in stripes for a minute he's he's in stripes for 10 seconds which i gotta bring up just for a second he's he was up for a couple of the bigger roles in stripes got very very close and much in that same way like nick cage in fast times at ridgemont high he was almost one he was almost Francis. I don't know if you remember okay, Stripes. Yeah. He was almost Francis, but they liked him and they cast another guy, but they were like, we like you. So if you watch Stripes, he's in the background of Stripes a lot. And then in 1984, he truly teams up with his friend James Cameron and is in a little film called The Terminator. This guy's a couple of cans short of a six pack. <laughs> in which he has a sweet, like Liberty Bell spikes, the yeah. just full tilt Mega punk rock spikes and fuck off, dickhead. Oh, you're close. <laughs> you're close. Give them to me. Yeah. Laundry day. Nothing nice night walk. Nice night for a walk, eh? <laughs> Which Canadian? Yeah. Very <laughs> nice Canadian. night for a walk, eh? Um, nothing clean. Um, so he has a brief little moment at the beginning of Terminator in which he is murdered by, he is terminated by the Terminator. Yeah. But already, we're starting a little thing where he has memorable scenes in big movies. I, as a kid, remember the first time I saw The Terminator and remembering when he murdered those punk guys. And thinking to myself, as a kid, those punk guys are kind of scary. Now as an adult, not scary. No, no, no. But and also, James Cameron just loved New Wave and hated punk. <laughs> Actually, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, even Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator is basically dressed like a member of Depeche Mode, where he's just wearing a leather jacket and sunglasses. He's dressed more like naked ray gun. He's Austrian. <laughs> We've talked about Terminator on our Arnold Schwarzenegger episode. We will talk about Terminator on our James Cameron episode. We talk about Terminator in a few episodes. Yes. So I don't know how deep we have to, because it's just one scene. Yeah. This is just Bill. It's just Bill. Just Bill. But it does already, even to Cameron, and I wonder, to major audiences a little bit, here's this guy, this guy already. So it was enough with that scene, as well as just him being around in the L.A. scene in the 80s, that John Hughes liked him enough and wrote Chet Donnelly for him in the movie Weird Science in which he was the crew-cutted older brother jerkbag. And if there's one thing that Bill... Like, Bill Paxton is very good at several characters. But he does an asshole better than no one else. <laughs> he really... Kind of the older brother asshole. Yeah. 
And him as the older brother asshole in Weird Science is pretty fabulous. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Weird Science, Nick? I hate it. I disagree, but do you have any... Uh, I think ex- Bill, in it, Bill Paxton mm-hmm. is a douchebag in a movie filled with douchebags. But he plays it a little differently than everybody else. Because, like, hmm. the two lead scientists, let's call them, yes. the doofuses with the bras on their head, they are trying to play it up as we are not as bad as everybody else. But it turns out they're worse. They're building women to be straight up misogynists. I don't Whereas, think so. well, okay. I think they have been surrounded by misogynists, which is part of the element in their entire life, kind of like the 80s. And I actually think the weird science has actually a very sort of woke message in the entire thing where these clowns Mm. think they think that building the perfect woman will build this woman who's only for us, who's just like just for sex and is just hot and will build her, will make her. And it's like a flip on the Frankenstein story where when they build a woman who they want, it actually is what they want because she is basically like a goddess who shows up and explains to them yeah, but why like, this is stupid and being misogynistic is dumb and you're being I, morons. I realize that, but yes. I'm saying their characters yes. are bumfuck assholes. Yes. But their they characters that. are bumfuck assholes. And right. then Kelly LeBrock shows them that they're wrong. Right. And they learn a lesson. But from right. the beginning, they're still just as big of an asshole as everybody else. Yeah, but they were impressionable. They were teenagers. And they learned their lesson. They learned that... Eventually. Well, everyone learns their lesson eventually, hopefully. It's the people or who, they shoot up a high school. It's That's what I'm saying. The people who don't ever learn their lesson are the real problems, in my mind. And when you have characters who start as bad characters but become good characters, that, to me, is not a misogynistic story, truly. I don't think that's broaching the subject of misogyny. That's broaching the subject of machismo and bullshit like that, that you have your protagonist start in this world where they have older brother, dickhead, and Iron Man, scumbag, giving them crap and trying to make them be like every other machismo scumbag. I have gone back to watch Weird Science again where I liked that movie a lot as a kid, and I was like, there is definitely... John Hughes stuff that doesn't pass. But surprisingly, in my mind, I think more so than most of them, Weird Science does. And having Bill Paxton be the half-protagonist of the older brother scumbag is interesting to me. And I feel like it's a movie that automatically gets a bad rap. It's something I would watch again. However, in Weird Science, that's where you really start to see Bill Paxton be on screen in a major role in a big hit of a movie. After that, he's in a movie called Commando for a second. Nick's favorite movie. Also, to be fair, this guy started acting in the late 70s. By 1986, he is Private William Hudson in Aliens. And Nick, I don't know, what are your Aliens musings on Hudson? Hudson is an asshole, but... (laughs) but he's just putting on this front. Mm. He's being the Marine. He's trying to be all you can be. He's trying to be this image of a Marine Mm. and he's doing all this shit and he's being tough and he's talking shit and he's talking about chicken shit outfits and I'm Hudson. He's Hicks. But when it comes down to it, when all the shit actually happens and you have to deal 
with fucking xenomorphs in the fucking ceiling, he freaks out. Mm. He's crying. He's putting fucking Newt in charge. He's not handling it. He's fucking yelling at these things and shooting the shit out of them. He, more than anyone else in the rest of the movie after the initial attack, he is who the person in the audience identified with the most. Yes. We are not fucking Ridley. No. We are not Newt. No. We are not fucking Paul Reiser because we're not pieces of shit. So the person we identify with is going to be a guy who's scared shitless. He's just going to stand there and just shoot everything he sees because he's freaking the fuck out. Yes. I think that's a very fair point of a genius idea for a character in horror movies to have a character you remember, a character that you like in a way, but it is the character you don't want to admit to, but you relate to because they are the character who is freaking out. They are losing their shit. Stop your grinning and drop your linen. Yeah. We found him. He is kind of racist. He's kind of misogynistic. Yeah. He is. Bill Paxton will do this in a lot of movies as a character. But then you find yourself relating to him because he's the only one showing any goddamn emotions. He's losing his shit. Yeah. He is truly, in a way, an innocent in these things. He was not trying to get... I mean, he is a space soldier, but he doesn't have ulterior motives. <laughs> he didn't want to die from spaces. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, he gets eaten, or I don't know what happens to him, but they take him. They, they fucking pummel the shit out of him with their second in their mouth. But also, in that way where you love Bill Paxton, he sticks around a lot longer than a lot of them. Yeah. He is tougher in a way than a lot of them. He is wigging out. Why don't you put her in charge? The... Most quotable stuff from one of the great movies in the history of Hollywood, one of the great sci-fi movies, still kind of comes yeah. from Bill Paxton. Those workaholic assholes have a movie on Netflix called Game Over Man, which comes from his dialogue. Yes, yes. Which he improved. Yes. <laughs> and that's why James Cameron's like, this guy's going in every single one of my fucking movies. Yeah. This guy adds production value more than any of this shit. Any of these costumes. I didn't have to pay this guy dick. I led him here like E.T. with beers. And then he showed up on set. And now he is throwing out improv lines that will stick in my movie pantheon forever. Yeah. All of Arnold's improv lines, which had to be deleted, were, <laughs> oh, we should go to Planet Hollywood. We can hide there. <laughs> it's a planet. You like that, Meinhardt? Just because you're my older brother, you're dead now. I don't know, Arnold. I don't know if that's a good line for this, for Terminator. Like The Terminator feels like so. he's coming and coming. No, no, no. <laughs> don't say that. Why would you say that? The Terminator hates his older brother, Meinhardt. Like, I, I know. I know. But let's cut that out. Any other thoughts? Because I think Aliens, Aliens is the breakthrough. That is when Bill Paxton becomes a true member of the Hollywood movie universe, in my mind. Any other thoughts on that before we move on to his next movie, which also, back-to-back, -back, yeah, um, pretty badass. Aliens is a goddamn classic. Mm -hmm. And it's the Granny Weaver's movie. Mm -hmm. You know? Everybody remembers Game Over Man, but they also remember Get Away From Her, You Bitch. Yeah, totally. You need Sigourney Weaver. You need Paul Reiser. You need Lance Hendrickson. You don't see them you need fucking Michael... each other for a percentage. Exactly. You need Michael Bain. Yeah. Michael Bean, whatever the fuck his name is. It's Bean. But if someone else is in the role of fucking Hudson, you don't get that line. Yeah. You don't get that reaction. You don't get the fear. You don't, as a fucking audience member, are scared for the next hour. Yes. It's similar to Predator. 
but they did it very differently. You have all these soldiers, these guys who just go around and kill planet to planet, show up here, and they are outnumbered, and they are fucking torn apart, literally, into pieces. And then you have this one guy who loses his fucking helmet, never gets it back, just freaking out. And it's like, oh, I'd be pissing my pants too. And when he goes down, it sucks. Yeah, and I agree with that entirely. And I think what you're saying, also, the thing that kind of jumped out at me is something with Paxton is his vulnerability. Yeah. Like, he's so good at creating elements of vulnerability that you can relate to, where he's still being brave, he's still being courageous, but he's also terrified. Yeah. (laughs) And that's very, very interesting. However, in 1987, the next year, he would then go with James Cameron's wife and... I don't mean to process her just as that because she is one of the most amazing movie directors of all time. Listen back to our Catherine Bigelow episode. She makes a movie called Near Dark where she, possibly because they all hung out, I don't know how it works, but she at least knew that Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson and a lot of these other James Cameron characters were somebody you should put in a movie and Brian Tepps is going to get excited for this because this movie called Near Dark which is, I'm going to say this straight out, it's the most badass vampire movie of all time. It will be hard-pressed for me. There have been maybe better executed vampire movies, maybe spookier vampire movies, but where the vampires just kick people's ass and are dangerous outlaw characters who cover themselves in blood. The poster for Near Dark is... Bill Paxton in full mega vampire mode with his jacket all burned and his face covered in blood and gore. And it's awesome. I'm sorry. And him as Severin, when he gets nuts in that bar, he's wearing the sunglasses and the fangs come out. And it is the full flip on the cowboy movie where you're in the wrong movie, pal. You're in the vampire. I mean, it's amazing. I don't know. What do you think about Near Dark, Nick? Near Dark is extremely memorable for the scenes we always talk about <laughs> and then totally boring for the parts we never bring up. <laughs> it's almost like the scenes with Bill Paxton and Lance Hendrickson are the scenes that are super memorable. <laughs> yeah, and then you have the woman who is in brown face from Aliens and then you have those two boring... I don't know what else to say besides white motherfuckers who are just fucking, yeah. oh, you made me a vampire. I'm a vampire. Yeah, I, I don't even remember that subplot. I just remember no, that yeah. scene where they fuck up that bar. I, <laughs> and it's a vampire movie. It's a cowboy movie. It's an anti-hero movie in which midway through, you don't side with the protagonists. You side with the vampire gang and you like them more. And you're sad when they go down. I was not sad when they went down. They're just mm. the better characters. I feel like with early Catherine Bigelow movies, the plot was made to get to the violence. Yeah. She excelled. She excels at violence. And when you get to the violence in your dark, those are the most memorable parts. But it's like you're forgetting who you're supposed to identify with. I agree. Because that guy is such a wiener. I know, but something I like about Catherine Bigelow with scripts she chooses, scripts she writes, her movies she directs, 
I think in a lot of them, exactly what you said, her second act twist often is that as you begin to learn more about your quote-unquote antagonists, your quote-unquote villains, you start to relate more with them. You find out in Point Break that these guys are weird surfer guys who hate the government and hate modern society, and they're robbing the banks not necessarily just for their own fun, but because they are dissidents to the world. On your own personal taste, you may still side with Johnny Utah, but she's offering you a choice. She's offering you a choice on who do you like more as an audience. And I, I like Bill Paxton's take on that because Severin particularly is one of these characters where you start to like him and you start to agree with as the kind of underground anti-hero character. He's interesting. I don't know. He's a nasty ass, interesting weirdo, but yeah, they are also murderers, but isn't everybody. I know. Isn't that just, uh, is no. it every, but I put a gun on the table. I put, <laughs> so, okay. We won't spend too long on any of these because I don't know if you know this, but also Bill Paxton made a lot of movies. So we're going to, we're going to start clicking through these a little bit because he made some stuff. He went back, he made Navy SEALs with Michael Bean. Remember that? Yeah. Kind of a There's fun a movie. golfing scene in this movie. <laughs> also a rah, rah America movie. They murder some like random bad guys who are foreign and I remember renting the 80s it from, were a terrible time. <laughs> I remember renting it from the library. He's in Predator 2. He is. Not a, not the whole movie. <laughs> we oh, should no. bring this up now. Mike <laughs> Bill Pax is the only actor to be killed by a Terminator, an alien and a predator. <laughs> Does he get killed in every movie he's in? <laughs> Uh, we'll bring, we're going to get to one where he <laughs> wasn't killed. No, when he's the protagonist, I think it's the one where he survives. There's a lot of movies. Some of these I haven't seen. Have you seen One False Move? Yes. Yeah, what do you think of that? That movie's fucking great. It really is. He is an asshole. Yes. But you're given a choice. You can either side with the people who went around and killed six people and stole a bunch of cocaine. Mm. Or you could go with the guy who's such a hot dog in such a small town. He just wants to be the big-ass cop who's also an asshole. Yes. But it's like, he's still Bill Paxton. You still want to side with him. You still hope he does the right thing. And it's just... He's so good at it, though. He's so good. That's the thing. He's so fucking good. He could play a terrible person or just not the person who's right for the protagonist and you still side with him. And in that movie, he's up against skinny Billy Bob before he got fat for fucking sling blade. And it's like, we were talking about this the other day, Billy Bob writes or not anymore. He wrote one false move. He wrote one false move. He wrote sling blade and he wrote no looking back or no going back, whatever that other movie with Eric Stoltz. Billy Bob wrote certain movies where nobody. Yeah was a true protagonist. Yes. And Bill Paxton was great at playing the anti-hero, not the fucking straight protagonist. He never played a Tom Hanks character. No. He was always oh, conflicted. He was always... Eh, with the exception of one movie. Yeah, and that movie sucks. Oh, but, because of the tornadoes? Because of everything? <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But it's like, if you want a character who's got levels and complexity and you don't know... yeah. Also, if you wanted, <laughs> you went with Bill Paxton. Yeah, it's true. He, I think 
you're starting to see him get cast in lots of stuff that has lots of depth. He's truly one of those guys who's on the fence for me because he had lots of stuff. He was in lots of good movies. They did cast him in lots of good roles. But in my mind, I feel like Bill Paxton could have even been more than what they cast him in. Yeah. You know, I feel like he could have even been more. I wish they would have let him try. Imagine letting him try working with PT and doing some sort of role where he's something really wild. I bet he could have pulled it off. I don't think he, that about a lot of character actors. I don't think Bill Paxton. I think he could have pulled off anything. Yeah. But I feel like because he went to England, because he yeah. came from Texas, because he chose all these similar characters. I bet he turned down a bunch of shit. Interesting. I bet he only chose the things that he was like, you know what? I could do this. I could make it weird. I can make it my own thing. Yeah. And also, he clearly has an eye for talent a little bit. Billy Bob Thornton. He likes Billy Bob Thornton's scripts. He became friends with Billy Bob Thornton. They would work together a lot. He likes Jim Cameron. He likes Catherine Bigelow. These people extremely talented. I'm guessing here a little bit, but it seems like maybe he might've gotten offered roles that had bigger money to them, but he picked people he wanted to actually work with. He seems like the type of guy who's not choosing a role based just on his part, but as a, the movie in general. Yes. Yes. And there's a lot of stuff. I don't know if any of these stand out to you in the early nineties, the vagrant or trespass, or Trespass I saw, I don't remember. I yeah, don't I also did. Indian Summer. Indian Summer I did not like. No. <laughs> also, it's called Indian Summer. It makes sense. In You know what? I'm not going to defend that title, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it, but, like, it came out like, what, 94, 93? Yeah. 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 In context to then, when everyone was like, oh, Bill Clinton. Yeah, it made sense. Right. And it's part of the, the overall theme of, like, them going back to that camp and they're all older. And it's like the later phase of their life and then the in later, like the summer extending over, but it's like, don't just stop. stop. Call it something else. <laughs> Call it on golden pond too. It does still seem he's working with a lot of some indie people. That's yeah. like Bender. That's, I mean, he's working with a lot of indie people. However, he never went full mainstream. He didn't stay main full mainstream after twister either. I agree. But in the end of 1993, he does, up his career quite a bit because he works with what we talked about, although it is technically directed by George P. Cosmatos. Cosmatos. Greek sandwich. Greek sandwich. It was actually probably more directed by Kurt Russell. Yeah. It is maybe the best, in my mind, modern Hollywood Western Hollywood, like of doing all of the Hollywood tropes working together and still being somehow well-written, it's... It's got the worst score. It has the beef, it's what's for dinner score. Uh, yeah. It is very bad, but it's... And Sam Elliott, it's so weird. But it's but it is Tombstone. Yes, and great movie. Also, spoiler alert on a little bit of this, he's one of the tragic characters in it, but he's so good in it, and he plays Morgan Earp in it, who... He believes in right and wrong so much that it kills him. It kills him. And in that way where Bill Paxton, he is vulnerable. He's vulnerable in it and you sense his vulnerability. And he also, he's really good at playing a fucking, a derp. Literally, there's a part where they walk out of a That's a nice uh, Wyatt Earp uh, pun right there. there He's playing a derp. He plays a derp. (laughs) Like they walk out of, they walk out of that stage scene and he's like, 
you know, I look up at the stars and I, I see all them. And like, I remember God made little old me. And then without any segue or any kind of conversation piece, he just turns, why do you believe in God? They're fucking brothers. They never had that conversation before. No. They wait until they see the prettiest actor of all time. Billy Zane do his thing. And he's just like, what do you think about God? What happens after we die? Why up? And you know, Kurt Russell, like Kurt Russell said, he spent so much time on pre-production and then he had to take over directing. He never really drew out Wyatt Earp's character. He's just being Kurt Russell. And he just goes, I don't know. You die, you go to hell. There's nothing. I don't know. And it's just like one of those scenes where it's like, uh, I like that it became fucking Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care. (laughs) Also, uh, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of siblings have a conversation all the time where one sibling wants to bring up something to the other sibling. Like, look at these stars. Don't you believe in God? And the other sibling's like, stop talking. Like, I know we are related. Don't be mean to Brandon. (laughs) Listen, no, that's what I'm saying. I just, in all of art and all of the elements of like sibling relationships, like I love my siblings. Sometimes people want to talk about stuff and you don't want to talk about it with them. And it's a weird relationship because it's like, we are connected forever. So I'll have this conversation with you later when I fucking feel like it. No, my... (laughs) My sister gave up on having those conversations with me because she realized I'm always just going to go for the most. I don't care. Simplistic, <laughs> realistic. There is no magic in the universe conversation <laughs> answers all the time. She gave up on that shit a while ago. Plenty of magic in the universe. You son of a bitch. I love you though. I love you. You're my sibling and super producer. Brian Taps is my sibling. There's nothing you can do about it. You guys are now blood yeah. related to me. I've adopted you. Nice... I'm your father. All right. And you need to start That's listening gross. to me. All right. Cut all this out. <laughs> no, this stays in. But Tuso is a big hit. It's a big hit. And he's a main character in a huge Hollywood movie. A huge Hollywood movie. Also, the entire movie is stolen by, as we talked about, Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer in his Vincent Vega role, where he is better than he will ever be in anything before or after, where he is unbelievable. I'll be your huckleberry. Why, Ed Bailey, are you cross? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Chopin. If we ain't friends, I just don't think I could bear it. I don't know what he's doing, but it's amazing. It really, he doesn't move his mouth but he's sweating the entire time. Yeah. It's so disgusting. It's so awesome and weird. I stopped drinking while we were watching that. I was like, well, fuck. (laughs) He keeps breathing in through his nose in this weird way. It's the movie is stolen of all these mega actors and actresses in that movie. It is stolen by the lesser Batman. It is stolen by Iceman. It is. There's nothing you can do about it. That movie is Doc Holliday, the movie. After that, he's in Future Shock. You ever see Future Shock? No. Oh, Future Shock's a wild-ass... I'm shocked I didn't see it. (laughs) But Future Shock would be him doing a little side indie movie. But then, because of Tombstone, in 1994, he makes a movie. Once again, this is going to come as a giant surprise to you. A movie called True Lies with James Cameron. Him being the asshole car salesman slash fake spy slash red herring of the first act of that movie is one of the wildest things I think I can remember. I I love Bill Paxton and True Lies. What do you think about True Lies, Nick? I like True Lies. It's not my favorite camera movie. No. But Bill Paxton in it is extremely important because he's connecting 
the B plot to the A plot. Yes. If he wasn't in there or that character was less believable, there'd be no reason for Jamie Lee Curtis to do that terrible striptease. <laughs> and for uh, Arnold to, you know, have a racist tape recorder. <laughs> well, against French people, I don't know if that counts. But it is definitely one of the weirder James Cameron movies. It's his action comedy. It's James Cameron's yeah. comedy. And of course he had to have Bill Paxton in it being one of the funnier parts of it. If you perceive it as the comedy, which I hope people do because that's what true lies is. It's not, it's not aliens. It's not Terminator. It's James Cameron doing an action comedy. And he went with the funniest guy that he knows to, Take on the B-plot. Funniest guy he knows on purpose, because the funniest <laughs> guy he knows on accident is the lead in the movie. True Lies is not the greatest of any of the Cameron movies, but it's a fun part for It's fun. Yes. After that, he gets Apollo 13. So basically, back-to-back, he works with Cameron and then Ron Howard, and he's pretty great in it. I like Bill Paxton in that movie. What do you think about Apollo 13, Nick? I never finished it. I didn't, I didn't give oh. a shit. I mean, everybody's really good in it. Yeah. But it's like, I, I know they made it home. They made a fucking movie about it. <laughs> I'm also, I'm not the hugest Ron Howard fan in uh, general. That's fair. That's fair. But this is him ramping up his career. Like, you see this. It's like Tombstone, True Lies, Apollo 13. These movies are getting nominated for Oscars. And then 1985, he also makes a movie called The Last Supper. You ever see The Last Supper? Yeah. With Cameron Diaz. Yes. Yeah, that movie's kind of great. It's insane. It's they- kind of the liberals turning into murderers, and eventually they murder so many people at their dinners, they forget why they're doing it, <laughs> and they're literally just stabbing people in the back <laughs> while they're eating their salad. Just killing, like, weird conservatives. There's a line, and they're like, we poisoned him because he didn't believe in something. It's like, who gives a shit? <laughs> He's evil. Yes. Also, Stacey Title directed it. She really didn't direct much other than that, but it was a big indie success, and I really liked that movie as well. And if you yeah. haven't seen The Last Supper, I wanted to bring it up because I had thought about that movie. In I loved years. him a lot in that yeah. movie. Then he makes in 1996, he finally gets his lead role. He is Bill the Extreme Hardy. He's always named Bill. He's always named William or Bill in all of his movies. In Twister. Nick's wearing a Twister t-shirt and Twister pants. I am quite obviously wearing a 9-11 shirt. (laughs) It's directed by Jean DeBont, a blockbuster film school favorite. (laughs) Directed Speed 2. Yeah. (laughs) He's also a great cinematographer, but also a maniac. Nick, I genuinely want your take on Twister. Twister is... The beginnings of problematic summer blockbusters. <laughs> it's spectacle over substance, mm. and it's just not really well thought out characters. They all have like a thing about them. It's mm. like, hey, blah, blah, blah. Oh, really? We'll be that for 90 minutes. And it's just like, oh, look, we have an F5 tornado. It's huge, and it's going to rip apart everything in the area except for these belts they got from J.C. Penney no, or The I, Gap. No, that's a true thing, though. If you attach your belt to a pipe, you will survive a tornado. Yeah. That's definitely true. That's a real thing. Everyone knows that. That's science. And 
there's a ton of Wizard of Oz references. And, and the best part of Twister is the sudden cut to The Shining at a drive-in theater. Agreed. Also, Michael Crichton wrote that movie. Michael Crichton produced that movie. Michael Crichton basically directed that movie. But Jean Dubon's name is on it because when it came out, Michael Crichton wanted something different. He thought that how they edited it was bad. He thought it was going to be a fail. And then when it was a huge financial success, he stopped his lawsuit to have his name taken off as a producer and a writer. So a little something about Michael Crichton, a little fun fact. But also, it makes sense. He basically made Jurassic Park about tornadoes. And Bill Paxton (laughs) were in it. Also, what? They're like, if you send a bunch of drones into a tornado, now we know how tornadoes works and we can stop them. I don't understand what the, I agree. I understand. It didn't make any sense, but, but it was kind of Bill Paxton's one big summer blockbuster where he was the main guy. He was the protagonist. Glad he never went back. (laughs) And, and it would never happen again. But also it's interesting. Brian Tepp's, Our super producer was bringing up the idea that maybe after that he didn't want to be a protagonist anymore. I don't know. But in 1997, he would team back up with James Cameron and make a little movie, a little indie movie, called Titanic. In which a guy who is a mediocre artist would draw Kate Winslet's boobs. I think that's the point of that movie. I don't... <laughs> Do I have respond to that comment? <laughs> I heard an amazing story about the scenes. So they filmed the scenes with Bill Paxton and the whole subplot of the modern element where he's sort of a fake... Bruce Ballard, I think, was the guy who found the Titanic. So he's kind of a Hollywood representation of Bruce Ballard who is trying to find the Titanic and also find a secret diamond, which is the most Hollywood nonsense of all time. Like you're going to find a diamond at the bottom of the ocean. And he has an earring. And the story I heard is amazing in which James Cameron came out and talked about how someone, when they were filming those scenes, when they wrapped the scenes with the modern thing, dosed everybody with PCP. No joke. At Now, not everyone ate the soup that got dosed with PCP. But James Cameron talked about how particularly, definitely, Bill Paxton and a bunch of other people got dosed with PCP and they were like running around and they like stole wheelchairs and they were chasing each other through like alleys and he was trying to wrangle A-list actors. Anyway, I smoked PCP twice. I never did any of that shit. (laughs) I don't know, but... Once on accident, once on purpose. He's obviously not a main part of the story in Titanic. He comes in, as always, as a great character actor, but he is awesome in it. He's in the second highest grossing movie of all time. What do you think about Titanic, Nick? Not much. (laughs) Okay. I saw it once in the theater when it came out. I was like, yeah, it's a really big movie. (laughs) <laughs> Why don't you share the fucking door? <laughs> uh, it's too heavy, okay? All right, we gotta, like, also, he's poor, all right? And I'm rich, and I'm on the door. So you get to sink, clown. That's how it works, all right? This is America. 1998, 
a movie called A Simple Plan. Great fucking movie. Directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Now, what's your take on A Simple Plan? It's really good. It's just a fucking bummer. I watched it in the theater, and it's one of those movies that also sort of pops up in my mind sometimes (laughs) with some of the more horrific scenes. Billy Bob Thornton, Bridget Fonda. Fonda. Yes. Gary Cole. Gary Cole, Bill Paxton. I mean, and it's rough where... Yeah. It's not a fun movie at all. It's also one of those great... In a way, modern horror stories where people just find money. It would also be kind of no country for old men and that element where that's just such a basic, horrific fantasy thing where you find a briefcase full of money. And yeah, it seems like it solves problems, but actually, in a lot of ways, you should just leave it the fuck alone because this is who knows where that money comes from, who knows what that's going to cause. And it feels almost like Aesop's fables or something where you find a bag of gold and that bag of gold is more cursed than what you think you could get from the value of that gold. And it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. It's not good. But Bill Pax is really great in it. He is. He's, it's a complex character. You root for him. You stop rooting for him. You root for him again. And then you just go, what the fuck? (laughs) After that, there's a lot of crazy stuff. And I think we should just kind of, I'm not going to say buzz through this, but after that, he's in Mighty Joe Young. What do you think about Mighty Joe Young, Nick? Uh, I don't think I've seen it. Mm. I don't know if he has sex with a gorilla, but I'm pretty sure that happened. I don't remember how it works, but it's about a gorilla. Directed by James Franco. They save a gorilla. That's right. Um, U571, which I will stand up for. I really like that movie. I actually think he's really great in it. And it was surprisingly interesting. Did you ever see U571? I stopped watching submarine movies after The Hunt for Red October. <laughs> That's fair. I it, got out when the getting out was good. <laughs> There's a couple of really great scenes in it. It was one of the last movies that Dino De Laurentiis produced. There's some spooky stuff in it. That I, he was the captain. It's wild. He directs Frailty in 2001, yeah. which has become... Him and Matthew McConaughey, after U571, I think, become kind of buddies. They're Texan morons. Uh, Powers Booth is in it. Another Texas moron who was also in Doomstone. Yes, absolutely. Also, go back to our first episode of the podcast, our directorial debut Mm. episode, where uh, we talk about frailty a lot. Yes. I don't want to spoil anything about frailty, but it does stick around as one of those great, of truly the 2000 horror movies, I think it's one of the ones that, has a different edge to it. Not just because Paxton directed it, but it's something else. It's something very yeah. different. It's not what you think. It has a couple of twists that you don't see coming and some really wild stuff in it. And I like Paxton. I like him in it. It's him finally getting to direct. He had directed a bunch of music videos. I think I should put that out there. Constantly, he was directing music videos on the side. And he occasionally directed some stuff for like SNL. But he was always secretly directing stuff and frailty was his first movie. And we think the box office is on frailty, Nick probably low. It's not that great, but I think it's truly become a cult classic. Yeah, it has. It it was made for 11 million and it made 30 million and it's all its money back. Yeah. And advertising. Yes. And people still talk about it. Yeah. He made We're people. We're people. We have a podcast. It's, he made Spy Kids 2, The Island of Lost Dreams. 
which Pass. sounds like molesty as fuck. He then was the narrator in Ghost of the Abyss, which is actually a really cool, it's like James Cameron's actual documentary about the Titanic where he's the narrator. It's really cool. I saw it in 3D. I know that's never going to happen again, but seeing weird 3D images of the actual Titanic underwater, I was a kid, basically, and I wished I was high when I was watching it. I'm just going to say. I think I saw that in a school thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he was in a lot of the Spy Kids. 2004, he's in Broken Lizards Club Dread as Coconut Pete. (laughs) Pina Colada Town came out two years. I hated that fucking movie so much. (laughs) It's not that great. It's not good. He's by far the best part of it. There's a part where he yells chupacabra. It's the only part I laughed at. And I watched, it's two hours long. I wish I remember that. I love chupacabras. Yep, that's that's right. He makes a lot of stuff. 2011, he works with one of our guys, Mr. Steven Soderbergh, in a movie I like called Haywire. With Mr. Ewan McGregor, Michael Fassbender, Gina Carano, and Channing Tatum, Antonio Banderas, Michael Douglas. Have you seen Haywire, Nick? Uh, Yes. Mm. What do you think about Haywire? And moving on. Mm. It's a dumb movie. <gasps> it's full of plot holes. It is. And um, he's, of- he's good in it. But, like, the lead actress, who is a UFC fighter, mm. cannot act. And the movie ends so abruptly. I, I she just can't kept, kick ass. Though. She can't kick ass. The movie sucks. <laughs> That's why most of her action sequences and most of the things she's doing, she has no dialogue. Mm. And then you just keep waiting for this movie to end. And then it ends so abruptly. I'm like, is that it? You make me want to see more of this shit. Just see how it actually finishes out. <laughs> Fuck you. It's fair. I'm not as against it as you are, but sometimes Soderbergh made stuff that was it was almost like he was upping the grade of what he had money to make with. He was doing something where if they would have made that movie for a hundred million dollars, I think it would have been insane, but they made it for like 10 and I think it's kind of cool, but I understand what you're saying. He made a lot of, does any of this stand out for you after this Shanghai calling the colony two guns, million dollar arm. Nope. Nope. 2014, he does make a movie called Edge of Tomorrow, which I know you like. I love that movie. With America's favorite Scientologist uh, and Emily Blunt. Emily Blunt. And Doug Liman. Emily Blunt is America's favorite Scientologist, no? (laughs) I think they're up there. Doug Liman directed. And if you don't know who Doug Liman is, he makes some really fun action movies. He made like The Bourne Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Jumper, Edge of Tomorrow, American Maid, Swingers. And Go. And Go. So... It's a wild movie, and he's not in it that much. He once again goes back to being Bill Paxton. He's being a character actor again. He's doing something else. I was talking to Super Producer Brian Tapps. He makes Nightcrawler in 2014, a Dan Gilroy film with... Great movie. With one of my favorite actors, Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal. Rene Russo is awesome in it, and Bill Paxton's in it. He's but playing just an interesting character actor again. If you haven't seen Nightcrawler, I think that's going to be on my wall. I don't know. It's hard to say, though, because Nightcrawler, there's an element with Bill Paxton movies where our walls probably won't be that big, but Bill Paxton is in some amazing stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah. 2015, he makes Pixies. 2016, Term Life, Mean Dreams, The Circle. Any of that jumping out at you? None of it. (laughs) The Circle actually was pretty crazy because... Had a screenplay by Dave Eggers and has Emma Watson, Tom Hanks, John Boyega, Patton Oswald, 
and it was directed by James Ponsolt. If you haven't seen The Circle, it's worth watching. It's about these people who are trying to stop their own death, these people who have terminal diseases. It's crazy. There's some stuff in TV I think we should bring up before we get to that, because unfortunately in 2017, Bill Paxton died from complications with a heart transplant. In TV stuff, he was on Big Love, Big Love being his big HBO show. Nick, do you ever watch Big Love? I did. Um, I liked Big Love. Uh, like we were talking about earlier, he's a complex character. He's a polygamist, but like he's still Bill Paxton. And you wanted to see what happens to everybody. Like it's him and fucking Chloe Seventy. Mm-hmm. You tell me those two are in a movie or a TV show, and I'll watch the shit out of it. It's also cool to actually get to watch him be like a character that he gets to grow and be wildly different in. Sometimes violent. Sometimes. He's a good dad. Sometimes he's a maniac. He's gets to be this, you know, Bill Hendrickson, which is interesting. That he's called Bill, but then Hendrickson, like Lance Hendrickson. I don't know. I feel like there's a weird connection to all of these things. But uh, Big Love is, in my mind, one of the big tour de forces for Paxton, and people still remember it. It's still kind of a crazy thing. I have a soft spot for 2012. There was a miniseries on History Channel with him, and the guy from Waterworld called the Hatfield and McCoys, in which he was the main McCoy, Kevin Costner was the main Hatfield, and Tom Berenger, Powers Booth. If you haven't seen Hatfields and McCoys, it's basically like a six-hour movie, but it's kind of awesome. I It doesn't even matter if you give a shit about the story of the Hatfield-McCoys. I don't think it has anything to do with that. It's just a really wild, weird movie that History Channel made, and I thought it was going to suck. I thought it was going to be dumb as shit. I'm not going to lie. And then I watched it, and it was something else. I don't know. So, all right, let's do it. It's time for the Blockbuster Film School Wall! All right, Nick, it's time to do our hot picks, our hot Nick picks. We don't have a dumpster this week because... God think... damn it, he doesn't deserve one. No, exactly. We don't need to toss any Bill Paxton movies in the dumpster. Let's do it. Also, straight off the bat, I'm not picking Aliens mm. or Near Dark. I'm picking different movies that I just think people should watch. Okay. Because... I mean, fuck, it's aliens, man. It's like if it's aliens. Fucking watch aliens if you haven't seen aliens. Well, that, all right. <laughs> I'm just going a different route. All right. That's all I'm saying. What's your uh, first pick on the Blockbuster Film School? Uh, it's a movie we didn't mention. It's an HBO movie from 1998. It's called The Bright Shining Lie. Ooh. Uh, it's a Vietnam movie where he plays a character who is killed in action. By his own fucking, by by an American. It is a, he got nominated for a Golden Globe. It's a very heavy drama. It's a, one of those HBO dramas where it's like, oh, this is my night. But it's really fucking good. And he's great in it. And Donald Logue is in it. And Amy Madigan. And it's not something you would rewatch a bunch of times. But it's fucking worth it to see just Bill Paxton acting his dick off. <laughs> He's acting his dick off in everything. I've never seen that movie. 
I will check that out. I appreciate that being on the wall. I'm going to throw the Hatfields and McCoy as my number three. I really liked him as Randolph McCoy. There is some weird spooky stuff in that. They throw spooky stuff in there. They literally throw... Like, that there are ghosts that have been chasing these two families for years. I mean, it's crazy. There's strange things, and the way that Paxton pulls off that character where he's truly that Paxton thing where he's kind of a bumbling maniac but has all this vulnerability and has all these delusions of grandeur and people look up to him even though he he himself doesn't look up to himself. It's such a fascinating character, and I recommend it. And I know this is a film one, but it's for me, it's a movie. It is... That's a, I know it's a miniseries on TV, but it's a movie. So, Nick, what's your number two? Um, I never choose a simple plan. Ooh. It is... A fun, a summer fun movie. I'm not picking anything fun with the facts, <laughs> sadly. These are just three movies that's going to fucking linger with you. Simple plan is just a straight tragedy about greed. <laughs> through and through. It is more American mm. than anything else you could possibly think of. Like, the characters stop trusting each other. They don't know who to trust. And there's also Gary Cole is a bad guy. It's so fucking weird. It's worth watching. It is, I agree. I kind of want to watch it, though. Like, yeah. I, I've been building myself up to watching it again, even though I remember seeing it in the theater and I wasn't that old. <laughs> it, it fucked with me. Yeah. It fucked with me bad. I, I, I rewatched it this week. It took me like 20 years to rewatch. Ugh. I want to do it, but I don't know if I want to do it. Be you know? the other side of Bill Paxton. Yeah. Just do it. That's fair. That's fair. My number two, I'm going to say True Lies. I I like True Lies a lot. I know it's nonsense. I feel like it's self-aware. I hope it's self-aware. It's I, pretty self-aware. I trust in the artists who made it that it is self-aware and that it's actually making fun of Hollywood blockbusters of the 90s, making fun of the fact that Arnold Schwarzenegger's in it, making fun of the fact that they shoot the bad guys and the bad guys are Middle Eastern and the bad, like that they're self-aware about all the. I know that even at the time to get it produced, they couldn't be, which is also something about how racist Hollywood is. They couldn't be fully self-aware. They couldn't make a full joke about it yet, but they were kind of, you know, tr- they were getting close and I still really like him in it and... I still think True Lies is a great movie. Maybe not great, but it's... It's very entertaining. It's very entertaining. <laughs> I, suppose... I got a lot of women that have sex. I got a small dick. I got oh, a little dick. Oh, I'm pissing my pants. He's, he's, he's so meta that he's describing everything he's doing from the waist down the entire movie with every character he is with. I think that's also the... Bill Paxton in that movie steals the movie. Yeah. You almost want to then not go with the Arnold Schwarzenegger storyline and just follow Bill Paxton, the fake spy car salesman. Having to walk home from, like, the, <laughs> that fucking dam in his underwear. <laughs> also, the worst mustache he's ever had oh in anything. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's in his most Bill Paxton-y, Bill Paxton-y yeah. sort of, <laughs> I'm doing my thing here, man. I'm doing it. All right, what's your number one, though, Nick? I literally, I rewatched it today. I can pick anything else. It's it's one false move. It's such a dark fucking movie, and it's just, 
Do you like the dark stuff? I do. It's so <laughs> hard to watch this and like really care about anybody. And Bill Paxton is playing the most hot dog Bill Paxton of all time. Just like <laughs> he's driving next to the the FBI guys or the cops from out of town. He's like, follow me, boys. And then he fucking cuts them off. He's about to drive into a fucking truck. And then it's like he goes and he's leaving. He pays the bill. He goes, here you go, darling. Keep the change. He goes, the bill's 12. This is $10. He's like, I'll get you later. He's a piece of shit. Yes. But he's going against three characters who killed a bunch of people. And also the guy who directed this is a prolific black director. And that's worth bringing up because that's not something a lot of people get to do. Is directed by Carl Franklin, who went yeah. on to direct three fucking Denzel Washington movies. And he also directed at least one or two episodes of every cool TV show. He directed four episodes of Mindhunters recently. Yeah. He, yeah. No, I, I like Carl Franklin a lot. Carl and Franklin's that, fucking great. I'm sorry. That was kind of blowing my mind that you like brought his name up. I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Carl Franklin directed that movie. Yeah. Being a prolific director at all. Exactly. In Hollywood. I think that's something that we bring up on this show is the sheer idea of directing more than one movie in Hollywood is like magic. Yeah. It is the idea that you could even make the idea that you could make one Hollywood movie, let alone yeah. two, and then you're someone who runs around and makes more than that. Also, the when they are actively trying to eliminate you. Exactly. <laughs> like, the backstory of this is amazing because they were shooting this for such a low budget. It was going to be a direct to video movie that you would stumble across at Blockbuster or Hollywood yeah. Video Community College. But. <laughs> Word of mouth and the festival circuit made it such a big deal yeah. that IRS released it into fucking theaters and it became a fucking hit. I love and it. Gene Siskel picked this as his favorite movie in 1992. I gotta watch this. I gotta watch this. I gotta watch this again. It's, I started watching it today at my parents' house and <laughs> Billy Bob Thornton is just fucking being also, as evil as B possible. My mom leans over my shoulder and goes, what the fuck are you watching? Also him and Billy Bob, something about that also. I know there's the James Cameron thing, but the him and Billy Bob, yeah. it's like Canadian hillbillies, American hillbillies. Exactly. Like they seem to have a certain connection. Like there's a, a simpatico, if you will. I'm going to watch the shit out of that movie. I will tell you this though. I'm going against your caveat at the beginning of this my number one on my blockbuster film school wall is though i'm sorry hudson in aliens yeah is one of the most iconic things when you show aliens to people of course there's ripley of course there's these things but for whatever reason People remember Hudson maybe more than they remember any of the other fucking characters because it's Bill Paxton doing, as we talked about, Bill Paxton doing his best work with whatever he's given. He yeah. is given a role in a movie and I don't know, like you said, Game Over is not written in that script. I don't even know if what's put her in charge is written in the script. I don't know. He puts himself into these movies and becomes a critical, critical part of the experience of one of the coolest movies ever made by Hollywood. And for me, that always sticks out and that will always 
stretch out into infinitum for me of all of his movies because I'm always like, Hudson is in another movie. <laughs> Hudson got to be like, it's, I love it. And uh, he wasn't even supposed to be anything. Hudson wasn't supposed to really even be a character. Yeah. And James Cameron was like, why don't you, you know, be this character, this little role? And it just kept expanding and expanding and expanding and, this is why we have an episode about him for me. I don't know. It's a weird episode because I have a weird reverb going on <laughs> the entire time. All right. That was Blockbuster Film School, everybody. Maybe it was because we were talking about Bill Paxton and like his ghost is like following us around. Is that possible? I don't know. His ghost would probably just be chilling out. Yeah, hopefully. His ghost would probably be like, I don't know, man. I was really fun in Two Guns. Also, Tombstone. I mean, there's so much like good Bill Paxton stuff that you can go back and watch. It's amazing. And I think it's just kind of our episode about character actors in general. We'll do a lot of really cool character actor stuff. I want to do more of it, but Paxton was somebody who we're not going to have again. And it is a real shame that we lost him. And just as you said earlier in the episode, I do truly think that he could have, he could have done anything that you asked him to do. It was really strange in that way where, he never got to be all the way at that A-list level, but I think he could have been if asked to do so. And maybe just by his own personality, he didn't ask to do so. He just rode with it. I don't know. Uh, last takes on Mr. Bill Paxton. You should have outlived all of us. Well, that's dark. Uh, but I'm a dark kind of guy. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, everybody, that's been Blockbuster Film School. Please tell your friends. We have a Patreon going. I know things are weird. I know things are getting wild style, but any amount helps. And it helps us keep the show running, helps us keep going. If you want to hear more of Blockbuster Film School, please do that. We love you. And we will be back next week. Nick, did you have a good time? Yes. Yes. Brian, did you have a good time? Yes. Brian said, drop your linen and start your grinning. <laughs> it's always weird when we do somebody who's dead. It almost gets macabre very quick because we have to remember that it's over. Isn't that strange? Yeah, but I mean, I like it. I li- <laughs> they mix the sex and the violence. Yeah, I yeah, like it. I like it. All right, team. This has been Blockbuster Film School. I'm Alex Bonner, Nicholas Souter. I was to say something. Well, you can do it. You're right. <laughs> Super producer Brian Taps. We will see you guys next week.